Hey guys, it's Scott from fxmissions.com. Just a note, I've finished the trilogy of anthologies from the forefront, and all three books are currently available on Amazon. In my first book, Anthologies from the Forefront, the one on leadership and missions, volume one, I believe it's called, there's a chapter on an out-of-the-building experience. I want to encourage you to check that out and how it might relate to the content we're talking about today. God always has a plan, and it's always the best. As our guest today will share, it's not always easy, and it's never the easiest way. But God can and does do awesome things when we're willing to follow his leading. You're going to love this conversation with Alex Taylor of Orb Aerospace. Welcome to Leader's Moment, brought to you by Vision Voice and FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take this moment and use it to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews, stories, and more from leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Welcome to the show. Really excited that you're here, and I think I got some great stuff for you today. As you know, we focus on the backstories of leaders, some of them well-known, some unknown. There's always leadership principles, however, that we can draw from from the lives of folks who are actually doing it. Whether you're in a position of leadership or are influencing without necessarily having authority, we believe you'll find something here to help you grow. And as we want to see you grow, please let us know that we're impacting you in that way. There are some ways to take this further. By the way, if you're interested in potentially in a deep dive, a little bit of more immersion, I might have something for you, a bit more intensive and intentional. If so, if you're interested, if you're curious, you might want to check out our event coming up. It's our annual men's retreat, if you will, called Bro Summit. This will be number 10, and it's coming up in May. If you're interested in Bro Summit, a little bit of immersion with other leaders like yourself, email me at scott at fxmissions.com. Today, we're talking to Alex Taylor of Orb Aerospace, and this is quite a story of how God can do anything and amazing things when we allow him to lead us into the unexpected. Alex and Orb Aerospace have the unique mission of creating a humanitarian air force. You heard it. Uh, humanitarian. What? 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 And they faced uh, quite a number of uh, uphill battles in this quest. But God is faithful, and he's been preparing Alex for a lot of years for this. As you listen, I'm sure that you're going to see some parallels to the way that God has worked in your life, and you just might also hear the Holy Spirit's tug toward areas you've not stepped into yet. Alex, uh, thanks for joining us. I really am looking forward to this conversation. We kept it kind of, what would you call that, obscure. Who is Alex Taylor? So that I could find this out for mostly the first time in this conversation. And thank you, you know, for being a part of uh, FX Missions Podcasting. 
I'm seeing something pretty interesting. Uh, obviously, we can see each other, but the audio is all that's going to be produced. But there's something over your left shoulder there that's in the window behind you. I think that's probably going to come into the conversation at some point. Alex, where are you joining us from today? Yeah, so we're at a place called Node 1. The terminology Node 1 is going to be unfamiliar for people today. Uh-huh. Our mission is to make it less unfamiliar for people in the future. It's our R&D headquarters in Lowell, Michigan. We're hiding in a uh, West Michigan town. We're going to talk about the uh, God's air support. (laughs) Amen, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so Lowell, Michigan. I got to say, Michigan's beautiful. I haven't been often, but I've been a few times. And being from Texas, you know, there's a lot to love about Michigan, except for the winters. I got to say that. I have to agree. In fact, I got to say, I'm surprised we're still here. It's honestly by God's grace that we are still here. I grew up in Istanbul, Turkey. I was born in Southern California, overlooking the Mojave Desert. There's mm. now coming to play a little bit later as well. A couple of years ago, I was on a plane coming back from Nevada. We had an offer from the state of Nevada, and it was just, we were doing some really interesting things. We felt betrayed in some different ways. Mm. And I was like, Lord, where are you taking us? And so I ended up in Nevada for something called the High Sierra Fly-In. There was an airport in Nevada that was offering economic development dollars and a brand new facility. And this was just as we were spooling up Orb Aerospace and it was sound very attractive. And so I left the team. I went up there and that was a a very formative trip. But on the way back, I was we were on approach to Michigan and I could see from end of the state to end of the state, kind of like Detroit. I was just I could see the lakeshore and I could see like right towards Lansing. Mm-hmm. And everything was green. Like I had spent a week in the desert and I'd seen how in this, it was my dream to go work in Mojave. I mean, this was Virgin Galactic and, and scale composites and Bert Utan was my hero. And, and to have the privilege to work with, you know, your hero and to just have the Lord say, as I'm flying back, it hit me like a ton of bricks. The Lord was like, I'm here. He's like, this is where I want you to be with me. He's like, I'm here. I want you to be with me. And I could see just all this green and mm the Great Lakes and it was fall time and the colors were changing. And I just got back from flying our little Cessna that we call the Millennium Pigeon because it's like the Millennium Falcon and I'm kind of like Han Solo. Um, Uh I'm I'm like a knockoff Han Solo and my Cessna is like a knockoff Millennium Falcon. So, Uh Oh, wow. Man, the Mojave, I've been out there a number of times. So I'm tracking with you on that feel, what you're feeling there. So Orb Aerospace, I think we want to talk about that. Well, obviously we'll get into it more and more, but Let's unpack a little bit about your personal history. Have you always been interested in things flight? You grew up in Turkey, missionary kid. Did you early on know, hey, I'm going to fly things one day? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I I took PVC pipe and filled it with mortars just to attach paper airplanes to little like fireworks in Turkey. It's hard to describe. They're like a cross between a firework and a mortar, but on a PVC pipe and not the safest, but um, <laughs> we, I, yeah, absolutely. There wasn't a doubt in my mind that, you know, and actually for a while that I thought I was born in the wrong generation. I was like, I was supposed to be World War II, supposed mm-hmm. to be a fighter mm-hmm. ace. I was supposed to be with the barnstormers and the flying cowboys. And mm. it turns out I'm born right on time. Yeah. And so the burden of growing up overseas is knowing exactly what my magnum opus is or my great work from a very young age. It's by no means fun. I think that there's some envy from people who feel directionless by those who are just like absolutely driven. But we have a saying at Orb, it's I'm not committed, I'm convicted. Okay. And so 
it's beyond a calling. It's beyond a commitment. This is a conviction that God has put on my life. And the only way to explain it is God's put on my life. I'm very analytical. We talk about God's like our faith is not afraid of knowledge. Nice. The number of miracles that it has taken to get here. Just case in point, come back to Michigan for a year. God does some rebuilding. And then where we stand today, having stayed in Michigan, being laughed at by everybody on the West. I'm not even kidding. We were raising with some VCs on the West Coast. Like, where are you guys? West Michigan? That's funny. Yeah, I wish you guys could build airplanes there. And for people from Lockheed and from Scale Composites to come and say, I want to move. We now have people on staff that are with Orbs specifically because we're in Michigan Mm. and they wanted to raise their families. And so a number of different miracles we ended up in. So I was born in the Sierra Mountains above Orange County. So Wrightwood um, overlooking Mojave, Palmdale area. Mm -hmm. And uh, moved to Istanbul, Turkey when I was two. Uh, I remember climbing over my parents' lap when I was two and a half and seeing the sunset over Istanbul for the first time. Wow. I was bored in school because I had a good memory. And that's essentially what education, the educational industrial complex is, is built for people with good memory. So I, I remember things like that. And it was impressed on me at a very early age, loved flying. And I think emotionally, as a missionary kid, I think some of your listeners might be able to relate to this. There's so much change that the only consistent thing is change. And the one thing that symbolized that change was aviation for me. Going from place to place, that was the only consistency. I mean, not the only consistency, but one of the few things that was like, it it symbolized a new adventure. And it symbolized, it's I'm going to go see my grandparents or I'm going to come back and see my best friend. And it was aviation that did that for me. Yes. Wow. Are you thinking it was five years or earlier before you were just really focused on flight? I know you're some of your early memories there. You were saying... Istanbul, which I haven't made it to Istanbul yet. Yeah. What should I not miss when I go to Istanbul? <laughs> That's probably a long list for you, but I, it's a really long list. Give me one. People, the people, don't miss the people. Don't overlook the people that you're with because, oh my gosh, we went back to Istanbul for the first time in a long time this last June. Mm. And um, I could cry about the people for a while. And I think that's really where, like, that's, that was, that was my family. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't really know, um, I'd had spent maybe a total of a, a, a month or two in the same vicinity as my grandparents before we moved back to the States. And so mm-hmm. you talk about the people that you had lifelong relationships with. I had Amjans and Tezas, which is aunties, you know, aunties and uncles right. that raised me. But if you go back to Istanbul, go to the hammams, uh, the Turkish bath. Okay. If you make a chance to go out to see the the, uh, the churches in Cappadocia. Okay. Also a great move. Uh, they have these the church was being persecuted in Anatolia. They went out and carved this entire city underground. Very famous for their hot air balloons. If you look up Cappadocia, it's a tourist attraction now, but there's these beautiful churches that are carved into this rock. Wow. You can walk through, you can imagine hiking and somebody's burrowed out like a hobbit hole. Like if they burrowed out a, a house into limestone, like very soft limestone. Yeah. And you can just walk through and see where they sat, where they ate, knowing that these are the people that stewarded the message that changed my life. What a connection, a historic connection. You know what I'm saying? That, I mean, you hear history echoing and the price that those people paid to keep going, you know? Yeah. Under the threat of death. Wow. What do you think about David saying, I fled to the caves and I lived in the caves. And you look at the early church and they said that they were dispersed and they lived in the caves and the fields. They were literally living in caves and fields. Isn't it ironic that now it's a beautiful tourist attraction and it came out of persecution? Wow. There's something there for sure. 
What about the, what's the famous market in Istanbul? I, I'm trying to remember that market. Yeah, it's called, it's, in Turkey, it's called the Kapula Charsha, but it's the Grand Pazar. Yeah. Or the Covered Pazar. It's all inside. I got to check that out too. Absolutely. And so we did that, uh, came back to the States. There was an economic crisis in Turkey. And so we, we came back rather poor. Our family lived in, we owned a house in Istanbul. My parents felt that to, to live with them. And I think in the best way possible. Yeah. Now we were suffering with them through the economic crisis. We came back to parents in their 40s, transitioning careers, not all of it going as planned. We lived in a missions house. I had a friend that said, the best thing my parents ever did for me was give me an allowance. And uh, my response was, my best thing my parents ever did for me was they couldn't afford to. Most everything we bought was from the thrift store. We were so thankful for this housing because it was really what everything that we had. The shipping container where we put all of our worldly possessions in, in Turkey got lost and didn't make it back to the States. And so we're expecting to have all this stuff, expecting to have a little nest egg to transition. And none of that was true. In fact, we were, you know, living day to day. Wow. Parents who were very well qualified to do a lot of really cool things. My dad was an amazing basketball coach, still is. And my mom, who's food science, human nutrition. So we came back and cleaning out burned out buildings you know, for $10 an hour. And we lived in this house that was condemned after the fact after we moved out, they tore it down. Great old house. We had great memories in it, but it was just this, I didn't have any money to spend on really anything of choice, much less of uh, aviation. So there really wasn't any sort of convenience there. So I, I worked construction, built my first drone because aviation was inaccessible to me. And it turns out this is actually the impetus behind or. So the, the basic question is, if me, knowing my privilege, and I knew that in America, I was more privileged than 95% of anybody else in the rest of the world, even if I was poor and working at McDonald's or what I was doing, which was running around in a construction site, stepping on nails and getting, you know, we tore down a house just manually. Right. Wow. I knew that I still had an enormous amount of privilege. This was the life. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think we were poor at all. I was like, this is amazing. I have a hundred dollars. Wow. And so knowing that a hundred dollars could very well be someone's monthly salary in mm -hmm. Cuba, mm -hmm. in places where we spent time in refugee camps, like this is a lot of money. Right. And if aviation was still not accessible to me, even with all of my access to opportunity, yeah. what does that mean for the rest of the world? No one's going back for them. No one's building anything for them. General aviation as we know it today is so cost prohibitive and it's so technically prohibitive and it doesn't have to be this way. And so that was the original, is this true? Is this real? Like that I can't get in a aircraft that was built 60, 70 years ago and go get my private pilot's license as a middle-class American boy living in, in West Michigan if that is true, now the implications for the rest of the world are enormous. And why is it this way? And so we had this theory, which is like, okay, so I think it's mostly litigious nature of unlimited liability. <laughs> oh, no, generally, I think it's the lawyers. So we sit down and we're like, I think it's lawyers. I think lawyers ruined aviation. And then to see that culminate, it's not just lawyers, it's, it's complacency, right? So it's a bunch of different factors, but that was what the narrative was back then. And so I think the lawyers blessed me with this vision for... So I, then I took that $500 I, I made doing construction for our neighbor under the table. And I built my first drone because there was no way I was spending $200 an hour to get two hours of flight time when I needed 60. And so I built this, what we called a multi-copter at the time. We programmed our own flight controllers on Arduino. We took out, out to the field. I was flying it in the sky next to me and goes, hey, is that a 
multi-copter because at the time we were very aggressive. It's like, no, it's not a drum. We've caved since then. <laughs> so, wow, I, man. I sound like the ultimate nerd when I say multi-copter, uh-huh. much less electric vertical takeoff and landing aerial vehicle. We have to get rid of that name, by the way, which is why we call them orbs. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I feel like I could talk about them as referred to as orbs. Yes. That exactly. other, there's too many words on that other one, but I want to stick a pen right there. Real quick. Please do. Yeah, by all means. You're going to have to reel me in because I ADD was like... Uh, Don't worry. It empowers me to do a lot of things, but in these conversations, I do have to follow your lead. No, hey, man. I'm enjoying the ride, and I think everybody is. I just want to kind of bounce back to something you said before about this sense of being born out of your season, okay? Hmm. One thing that I've wondered about, and kind of as a, I'm going to say a detached observer a touch, right? I've asked this question for a little while. You know, I fly a lot, okay? I mean, I'm on a plane tomorrow. I was on a plane last week. You know, I'm flying weekly or, you know, very, very often. Not always weekly, but, you know, 25 or 30 times a year, maybe. The automobile, the bicycle, the motorcycle, and the airplane were all developed within a very small time window. Mm-hmm. And I just said, what are we doing, guys? Is there no innovation and in human movement in the last, you know, when would the Wright brothers, come on, guys. I mean, I'm thankful for those guys and everything they did and everything they added to us that was incrementally, you know, added on to. But where is the innovation in human movement, which makes me think that you are the born in your season? Yeah, I think the question isn't where's the innovation. It's where's the courage and where's the character? Because innovation, it's not a standalone Innovation is pretty substanceless unless it has, and it's, it's backed by character and courage to go and try something new. And the reality is that if you've made it so, and this is where we get back to, to unlimited liability, if you get in a Cessna today and you crash that Cessna and it's built in uh, mine's 1970, so you know it was made 50 years ago, I can still sue Cessna. Even if I do it intentionally, my family can still sue Cessna and win almost every single time. So what's your, uh, the cost of innovation, that's where the character and courage comes in. Right. Because there's a high penalty on innovation, potentially. Even the innovation that's already there, it sounds like you're saying. Absolutely. There's a high price to anything that is worth doing. So even the people that are willing to pay the price, what's their underlying motivation? What's their magnum opus? At at Orb, we talk a lot about our great work. Yeah. We believe that God that if you're designed for the kingdom, God has a job for you in the kingdom. In the worst case scenarios, you never know what your magnum opus is. You never find your great work. Worst case scenario isn't that you get fired or isn't that you are unsuccessful. It's that you never recognize what you were made for you in the first place. Mm. And the kind of fulfillment and gratification that comes from just the peace that comes from knowing your magnum opus, it's just, it's radical. And so I think more than what we do at Orb, we're going to be known for how we do it. That's the goal. And so if we develop a reputation for being the skunk works of electric aviation, by all means, but my real focus every day is when I come into work is like, how are we doing it? I want to know that we're doing it the right way. Because even if you have innovation aviation, this is the problem with electric vertical takeoff and landing is that they're addressing the wrong problem. Mm. And you need to have the character like we did at the beginning to say, I know that air taxis, we don't want to be the air taxis of Manhattan. We want to be the flying cowboys of West Africa. Honestly, screw that. We're going to go do something. We're going to do something meaningful, altruistic. Altruistic capitalism is the future of ministry. It's tent making. If you want to really reach somewhere, start a, I mean, I'm sure you you agree, start a business. Yeah. What in the world? Like go somewhere as a welder, as electrician, 
Paul even says in Second Thessalonians, he goes, I worked my hands to the bone. In yeah. the message, he goes, I worked my hands to the bone all night, so I wasn't a burden to you guys. Wow. Where are those guys at? Wait, I might be talking to one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. You're so carving out a little time to talk to us. Thank you, by the way. I see those, I see those bony hands. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Or the, the baggy, yeah. Uh, and it's a pleasure. Like it's it's you know what's to you know to live as Christ to die as gain. I you can't kill me twice. And yeah, so that's right. I'm tracking with you, bro. We got to take a turn here because we got about 20 minutes left, and I want to know what is orb. Why orb? You've handed to some of that already. Mm-hmm. The little thing that's sitting over your left shoulder in the window. This is some pretty cool stuff. I met one of your evangelists. I don't think he's directly connected to you, but Hunter McNeil is an evangelist yeah. for yeah. Orb. He really is. I met him in Alaska. We were doing a men's event up there. We're also with Zach uh, Millsaps. Zach was our kind of our co-host. Yeah, I love those guys. For 20 minutes in the in the mud room, he was just telling me all about it. You got to this and that. And I, was going, I was wondering where this stuff was going to come from. You know what I'm saying? So for a sec, tell us, what type of technology we're talking about. Make it where the person who can't do the electronic, you know, all that uh, can understand it. And then tell us, you know, how you got some of those early steps. I think that multi-copter was it. And then where you guys are headed and what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And what does the technology solve? Mm -hmm. Amen. There's a lot of questions there. Sorry. There are. No worries. Orb Aerospace, we're building the world's largest humanitarian air force using what we call orbs. They're vertical takeoff and landing. So imagine an airplane that does not require a runway that still has greater performance than a traditional aircraft. So we're going faster, we're going farther, we don't need a runway. And we're trying to achieve economies of scale, which basically means that we're trying to mass produce. And by the way, we've mass produced bikes, we've mass produced cars. We have never mass produced airplanes outside of a wartime situation. And so why don't you have access to aviation? It's because you've never achieved economies of scale with aircraft. And are they simpler to produce than cars? Yes. Uh, Can we produce these at the same scale as cars with the same cost effectiveness? Yes. All of those answers are yes. So how do you create at orb what we call, and excuse my mild French, but the best damn airplane bar nothing. So how do we genuinely, we have the courage to say, okay, the precedent, we see you, we learn from history, we stand on the shoulders of giants as engineers and designers. We are by no means dissing the last 60 years of aviation, but now how do we make accessible aviation for all mankind, which is Orb's mission? And while everybody else wants to do urban air mobility with taxis and in urban environments, Orb's mission is to connect every village, every island, every city in rural Africa, every little hamlet in your house. And so this isn't necessarily the flying cars. Right, right. Brian, our chief pilot and director of military development, he was flying A-10s and F-16s before he joined Orb. In his very fighter pilot way, he goes, is the cross between a Star Wars rebel gunship and the Jetsons. (laughs) That's for that end of the audience that's very, you know, what is it? This is the Star Wars rebel gunship made so that we can not only service, but we can create a economic catalyst for developing countries. And so you imagine when you start to bring in the thing behind us is called Nomad. It's our first platform that we're trying to bring. We have an interesting story as far as our our beachhead market. After I built that quadcopter, I started a drone company when I was 14, started designing or working on real airplanes when I was 16. I was the youngest commercial drone pilot in the US. I was an aircraft mechanic and then started learning how to design airplanes while I was in high school. 
did some college in high school and then never went to college outside of high school and pursued orb when all the odds were stacked against us we started designing with this like very contrarian we're the contrarians in this space <laughs> when the rest of the world says i'm going to build for one day delivery i think there's a couple of companies out there that go you know we are going to accelerate package delivery across the us that's great that's great I mean, you've never sat down and had a conversation with somebody who was serving you their last cup of tea in their last bowl of rice. yeah, And then they gave it to you. If they gave that to me, now what can I do for them? So Alex's magnum opus, if my mission here is to love God and love others, what does an aerospace engineer who loves God and love others do? I build an airplane that serves God and serves others. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a conviction because I can't walk away from, it's a life sentence and it's a beautiful life sentence. It's one that makes my life interesting, You know that the idea that we're even having this conversation mm. That's evidence that God has done something. I mean, trust me, I would be a prideful startup asshole. Again, excuse my French, but it's the reality. I would be a prideful startup asshole if God had not humbled me and taught me how to not build my own kingdom, but take my place in his kingdom. Because that's what you see everywhere else. Everybody else is trying to build their own kingdoms. What did Jesus do? He said, whatever the father gives, no one can take away. And so if I give it to myself, if I work for it out of my own desire, my selfish desire for worldly success, and I tried that and it didn't work. I was a 16 year old building drones in my parents' basement and we were wildly successful for our time. Yeah, God humbled me out of that and we started building real airplanes out of that humility. So as far as Orb Aerospace is concerned, we're about a team of 15 to 16 now in Lowell, Michigan. We're the Skunk Works Electric Aviation. We're scaling through different business models. What we're doing right now is becoming really, really good at the next iteration in electric aviation, pure performance, burn dinosaurs, and go fast, go far. As our engineers say in thrust, we trust. (laughs) (laughs) Our faith is not afraid of knowledge. Thank you. I'm going to quote you on that. Is that okay? Yeah, please do. Please do. What does uh, the nomad behind you What's its value proposition? Does it deliver people? Do people fly it? Do you drive it remotely? I mean, I'm clearly a novice in the territory. So what's the value prop on the the Nomad and those that are coming forward from there as you see it? Yeah, so we're building a decentralized network for literally everything. So while someone else wants to put their briefcase and their bags, I'll just describe a, a general situation. You can fly Nomad from inside the aircraft. Someone else can be flying it from a remote location, or it doesn't even require a pilot. And so autonomy in the area is much easier to achieve. You have much less fringe cases is the issue. We've been flying, 747s have been flying themselves since the 80s. You don't have kids running out in front of you. As Brian likes to say, there's nothing to hit. You've got that working for you. So there's autonomy. We call it universal pilotage because there's so many different ways you can run this airplane. That's what you call that, right? I got it. I got it. Yeah, universal pilotage, right? So, you know, imagine, you know, we're trying to be like the dirty, rough utility aircraft that comes in with a goat and a bag of rice and throw the goat and the bag of rice out or maybe two. It turns out a developed nation that goes to war becomes a developing nation as far as infrastructure. And so we got picked up by the DOD. So we're under Air Force contracts. I don't care if they're a soldier or a civilian. If somebody is hurting on the side of a mountain, I'm coming for you. The idea is using this aircraft for personnel transportation, for cargo delivery. It's just a multi-role, multi-purpose airplane that takes off and lands vertically. You can imagine a space, a decently sized road, or maybe a two-car garage. The wingspan right now is going to be between 25 and 30 feet. Okay. 
and the wings fold up and it gets fits into a shipping container and a bunch of other cool things. But ultimately, the utility here is now, how can I get you an airplane that you can own, you can take off from anywhere and you can take anywhere, whether that's wounded people, regular transportation. And the implications of this, is you go to a developing country, we can give them a decentralized aerial logistics system that far outpaces the United States. Right. Leapfrog, I think they call that, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So while we have this incredibly expensive, arduous interstate system, which you cannot deploy in, in most developing countries, your alternative is to use aviation to leapfrog roads. Like in right. Matsu, there's places in the world we talk about, you know, have they received the internet yet? Yeah. And so the objective here is to take those places and create an aerial logistics system that is uh, 10 times faster than what we have in the US, 10 times the volume. It's doing for aviation what the internet did for information. The internet accelerated information, and we're just going to accelerate all of the physical stuff that we live and work with every day. Man, I've done a lot of work in East Africa. I can appreciate the sentiment there. We work a lot over the past 15 years in places like you're talking about. So I'm tracking with you. I'm also in the telecom business, and you know there is... A lot of the places that I've been in the remote parts of the world don't have a landline telephone and never will, right? And without cellular, they wouldn't have had any communication with the rest of the world. So I think you're creating connectivity there that is physical connectivity. To me, the idea of poverty is immobility. Mm -hmm. The more impoverished you are, the smaller your circle of life is, the smaller your circle of communication is, and movement for that matter. So I think this is exciting to me to think about, okay, we're going to move the immobilized. We're, gonna, we're going to create opportunity that didn't exist. I think that could have a very large and potentially, there's no way to measure the scale of what type of impact that you create when you have mobility for people who currently cannot move. What happens to that person? That's huge. It's it's incredible. We call this the second order effects. Okay. And I'll sit, I was sitting on our porch yesterday with some of our engineers. I was overwhelmed. Then I was like, guys, we can't, us being faithful with the small things today, that's a little saying we also have at the air. We have a couple of little sayings, faithful with the small things, you know, the brilliance is in the details. And we've got like these five rules that your work part's your responsibility. Our favorite one is fly the damn thing. <laughs> Came from Dick Rutan at a, meeting in Oshkosh once, once upon a time. And that's really where the whole skunk works, electric aviation, get through the iterations, and then scale through those business models, I, sh I should say, with the, the DOD in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But without going on that tangent, the implications of this are huge. And we're aware of that. Doing something of this magnitude while being conscious that you're doing something of this magnitude is really hard. I envy people who the people at Fermilab that were like, hey, let's just make a little network that connects two buildings. They're like, yeah, <laughs> let's just do that. They knew that if they thought maybe 10, 15 steps ahead, they might've been like, that's cool, but very improbable that yeah. they would create the internet. So this is the internet. It used to be the intranet. And the intranet, the first intranet was at Fermilab in Chicago. And so they just were like, I want to send you information. And it was basically just an ethernet vacuum tube. They were just replacing the vacuum tubes. And Right. And there you exactly. go. The internet was born. They developed the protocol, published their paper, and then people started building their own intranets and right. they started connecting them. And now you have the internet. So what's really fascinating is I think the emotional, social 
confluence that happens when you're painfully aware of the burden that you're bearing. You are painfully aware of how important this is. It's a very different environment. Overcoming that, I think, is probably on par. The social issues, absolutely. Loving sacrificially and teaching a team how to be cohesive and doing hard things, these are all our rules, is just as difficult as the fundamental technology itself. Right. Yeah. The human side. Amen. We are good because our creator is good. If our team, the creator of our product is not good, is not cohesive, is not functional. Yeah. We are forming the foundation of the future of aviation. And I want their character to be rock solid. I've been there in the trials of defeat and the trials of success. We talk about the trials of success are way more difficult than the trials of failure. Because in failure, I know who I'm going to turn to. I've been there. You can only go so far. You can only hit rock bottom. The trials of success are more dangerous because there is no rock bottom to the trials of success. Right. And there's no top. (laughs) Right. Right. There's no top. It reminds me of a grunge band from the 90s song. I can't remember what it is. Boy, I'm struggling. The 90s were a while back, by the way. I got to say that. I know. I started Orb when I was 16. So we've been doing this for a long time. Part of my personal story that thankfully God's taking all the details on because I'm too busy, actually. And one of the best advice I ever got was, hey, just make history and let the historians write it. And that's not to be cocky. We just have to make history and let people who are gifted in that record it. You're doing your fair share. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, this is one of those early interviews with Alex Taylor. What the vision was and how everything was a little bit different and he was a little bit wrong in the future, which is awesome. So as far as Orb's concerned, world's largest humanitarian air force, sometimes we call it kingdom air support. Nice. And we're trying to go to those developing countries, meet those desperate needs. No one else is doing this. Using aircraft that are high performance, affordable, using existing, say, diesel engine technology, Uh electric hybrid drivetrains. It's like the very cool Prius version of a aircraft. This is a hybrid. We're running on diesel, JP8, multi-fuel. You can find it anywhere in Saudi Arabia. They light ditches on fire and refine some kerosene. So trying to go everywhere. And that's the mission of Orb is to, uh, yeah, decentralized network for everything and share the message of Christ along the way. Well, I'm thankful for your time and I'm thankful for the vision God's given you and your team. There's a lot of excellencies that need to be combined to pull off what you're doing. You guys are working on it. I'm sure you're going to iterate. You're going to keep moving forward and you're going to give us something of what God's given you in terms of vision. You're going to deliver it and the value of that will be recognized. I'm encouraged to follow along as well. If someone wants to know more about Alex or Orb Technologies or where it's all headed, where do we send those people? Number one, I I received that. So I appreciate that word of encouragement. If they want to know more about Orb, we have a fairly active YouTube channel that they can tune into. Just get on YouTube and look up Orb Aerospace. Now we have a website where they can actually, this is a great opportunity to say, we are doing some really cool stuff. We have ex-SpaceX, ex-Tesla, ex-Lockheed Martin, you know, testimony. God has brought some amazing people to Node 1, our facility here in Lowell. So if you love aviation, if you're a software engineer, if you are a creative we are hiring. We want to build a godly community and do some amazing things in the process. So if you guys want to know more about those job openings, they're not all up to date because, again, I haven't had a ton of time to update those job openings, but go to orb.aero, www.orb.aero, and you guys can learn more about this incredible blessing that we get to work on every day. Dude, 
Very, very cool. Then we'll backlink this stuff in the show notes so folks can click through. And if they're driving or whatever right now where they can't click through, that'll be there for them at the end. And man, thank you so much for your time, Alex. I just want to say, hey, just come get me here in Nomad (laughs) 1 over there and and let's uh, take it for a spin. But I feel like the story continues. I'll be watching out for you guys. There's some folks over in Southeast Asia that I think we both know that I'll be uh, checking in on as well. But man, thank you for your work. Thank you for your efforts. May God give you grace to face and overcome the challenges that do prevent or attempt to prevent any worthwhile thing, as you mentioned earlier. Dude, bless you and your team. And uh, I look forward to seeing you downrange. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Huge thanks to Alex for being with us again. Appreciate that much. If you'd like to find out more about Orb Aerospace, you'll find them at orb.aero, orb.aero. Links in the show notes. Just click, tap, or swipe. As you find your way to their website and get uh, kind of a fuller picture of what's going on and what they're up to. One of the things that really stood out to me while Alex and I were talking, I think I mentioned it, is the potential for innovation in human transportation. As you know, all of our types of transportation that are matriculated, if you will, into the society. We're kind of all invented at the same time. And Alex and his crew are right on the cusp of something of a game changer. And maybe the first innovation in human transportation in a hundred years or more. I'm super stoked about that. And I think you'll be so too. And I'm really interested to see where that goes. If I could ask you for one thing in relation to that, I want to ask you to pray for Alex and his team. I believe God's doing some great things there. He's got some more things planned because of their mission, the mission he's put them on. And we know that his plans can only be accomplished alongside what he's doing and with an undergirding prayer element. So please pray that the team will be guided by the Holy Spirit to do exactly the right things at the right time. And that they will know what things they shouldn't do. And even the people and or organizations that they should avoid. Make sure you come back next time. We're going to have something a little different for you. A peek into the life of a leader who stepped out in obedience into something you might not think of as leadership. But it absolutely is. I think you'll be surprised to make that connection. And it might be something God is calling you into as well. Thank you for being a part of the Leaders Moment podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vision Voice, our sponsor, and encourage you to check out their website at visionvoice.us. Also, if you haven't already, please visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future ones delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish. Thanks again.